0: The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 5th, 2020.
1: The woman in your life who will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life she can rest so easily. She does everything you do
2: Because the woman in your life is you. To Women's Spaces, my name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. What a beautiful day. Blue skies, blue skies shining at me, oh. Just love those blue skies. Oh, makes you feel really good. The air quality is really improving, and that is a true blessing to all of us here in Sonoma County and Northern California. Well, I have a very special guest with me today. Joining me on the phone from the great city of New York is Jessica Litwock. RDT, Ph.D., who is an award-winning playwright, an actress, a registered drama therapist, an educator, a coach, a puppet builder, an international leader in the field of socially engaged theater. Boy, I can't wait to discuss that. Socially engaged theater. She will be talking about her career, and we're going to do a little piece of a little one-woman play that she wrote on a suffragette, uh, Selena Solomon, who was a California suffragette who was influential in California, women winning the right to vote. You know, in California, we got the right to vote in 1911, which is very, very interesting. And Jessica is going to be performing this uh, on the uh, website of the uh, Petaluma Historical Library and that's going to be happening on October 8th and if you go on www.womenspaces you can find out exactly uh, when that's happening and how you can listen to it and watch it and also uh, a reminder you know mark your calendars for a Monday October 12th from 7 to 8 30 p.m. via zoom and all that information will also be on um, on our website and it's going to be presented by the League of Women voters is it matters ballot measures watch november 2020 a virtual forum about big ticket ballot issues facilitated by ssu sonoma state university political science students so that's going to be monday october 12th and you can go on to the league of women voters website and again we will have all this information on www.womenspaces.com Well, we have a full pack show today, but as always, I love to go into our history is our strength. And also last week, if you remember, it was the last Monday of the month. And I'll tell you with all the fires and all the stuff that's been happening man i forgot to do the pledge so i thought hey let's do it let's do it the first monday of the month and that's today october 5th the first monday of the month so we will be doing our Women's spaces pledge so let's go ahead let's talk about our history is our strength some really interesting things happened i love i go on to the um National uh, Women's History Alliance that was founded here in Sonoma County. And they have all these things written by every month, all the different historical uh, events that happened that women were involved with. Well, on October 3rd, this is very interesting, 1904, Mary McLeod Butane opens the first school for African-American students in Daytona Beach, Florida. Wow, October 3rd, 1904, the first African American students were able to go to school there in Florida. Amazing. A shout out to Mary McLeod Bethune. What an accomplishment. And then on October 4th, 1993, God bless her, Ruth Bader Ginsburg joined the United States Supreme Court as its second woman justice. As you know, she recently passed away, which is very, very, very sad. And then on October 8, 1993, Toni Morrison became the first African-American woman to win the Nobel Prize Peace Prize in Literature. What an accomplishment that was. What an accomplishment that was. I never knew about Toni Morrison until all of a sudden the Black Lives Matter started, and all of a sudden she became very, very uh, familiar to me, and she did some great writing. So that was on October 8, 1993, the first, oh, my God, the first African-American woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. What an honor that must have been. Well there's a real important birthday that happened also in October fourth, nineteen oh eight. She passed away in nineteen ninety five. Eleanor Flexner, influential author and historian, wrote Century of Struggle, the women's right movement rights movement in the United States in nineteen fifty, and Mary Walscraft, a biography, a biography in 1972, which was very, very interesting that women were not at that particular time writing historical uh, information for us. So this is really an honor. So happy birthday to Eleanor Flexible. And then today, which is October 5th, but in 1959 was when she was born and she just she's still alive. And that's Myra Lynn, artist and architect of the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C., and other public sculptures. And she's also the author of Boundaries, which was published in 2000. Excuse me, in 2020. 20, 20, no, 2020, what am I saying? Come on, wake up, Elaine. <laughs> anyway, it's very, very interesting when you think about this. When I was in Washington, D.C., it was amazing seeing that Vietnam Wall. I mean, I just stood in front of it and cried. I cried because I was part of the youth group at the time. I mean, I was younger at that time. We were protesting and protesting the war and protesting all wars. It was like a real a real time of awakening. That's all I can say, a real time of awakening. And I haven't gone to sleep since. You know, it's kind of painful when you think of all the things that are going on. I think of the children in the borders. I think of over 200,000 people plus actually over 208,000 plus people dying in the United States of this horrible virus. And now we have the president of the United States, who was an absolute denier about this virus. You know, I can't. I, every time I see him making fun of Joe Biden in that uh, in that debate, it just I just cringe. And now here he is in the hospital. And you know, I ask myself over and over and over. I do not wish anybody any harm. I mean that. You know, I have a belief that you know, if you wish somebody harm, it's only going to fall back on you. So I definitely do not wish the president and the first lady much. Any any harm, But what keeps going in on my mind is I hope that they learn the lesson and they see what's really going on in this country. You know, people are suffering. We're not only suffering economically, we're suffering physically through getting this disease and, quote, the fear of getting the disease. I mean, Ken and I have been in isolation. We were figuring it out when we were driving down to the station today since March 7th. You know, I mean, it's been one thing after another. And I've decided with the shows, I'm trying to do a little bit of an upbeat. You know, let's let's think positive about this. I mean, one, one thing that I really believe is so important about the pandemic and what it's done, it's really given people a new awareness about what's going on in the world, in our country, the attitudes of our leaders, I mean, it's everything's on the surface. You know, there's a, there's a book called The Emperor Has No Clothes, you know, and that's what's happening. I mean, our legislators, they're naked right now. We see how they have been functioning and there has to be some change. So it's hard, you know, it's hard when I think about it. Do I pray for this man? Well, I pray for him, of course, that he has a recovery. But I also add in whatever I'm thinking that he becomes aware of the suffering and maybe a little bit of empathy will be uh, start spewing out from the legislators. I mean, it's it's really a very sad situation. You know, we were having a conversation with a friend who was trying to justify or trying to say it was okay about what happened with the, uh, with the debate. And I heard some news that the president interrupted Joe Biden 168 times. And I have to tell you, Mr. President, if you happen to be listening or any of your aides or anybody's listening to this show, I didn't even feel anger. I felt shame. I felt shame. I said, this is not the country that I know. This is not the way I want to be represented. So hopefully the next debate, they'll have some better rules and maybe Mr. Trump will calm down a little bit. Anyway we're going to do the pledge now. You know, I love the pledge. You know, I do it four or five times before I go on the air because, you know, I say things every once in a while that people disagree with and, you know, I'll get an email or someone will, actually when I used to walk around downtown, people would actually stop me and confront me and I go, well, thank you for sharing. But I also remember the pledge. So I'm going to say it and then if you're in your kitchen or you're in your living room, if you're in your car, don't close your eyes, you know, but if you're In the, in the home or you're listening to the radio, just kind of take a deep breath and relax. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Ken here to join me. Will you join me, Ken, when I do this? Yeah. Yeah. Here we are, the two of us. We are live here, downtown Santa Rosa, KBBF, but we still know there's a listening audience out there and we're all struggling and we're all in this together. But the most important thing for women is to realize that you are 51% of the population and you need to speak out, but you need self-esteem, you need to feel good about yourself. And hopefully this simple little pledge helps you realize who you are as a person and how important it is for you to step outside of yourself and realize that you are valuable and you do have a voice. So I'm going to say the first line, you repeat after me, and then at the end, just be very quietly and I'll repeat the whole thing. So here we go, Ken, and everybody out there that's listening. My self-esteem,
0: my self-esteem does not
2: depend, does
0: not depend on anything, on
2: anything outside of me, outside of me. My self-esteem, my self-esteem depends, depends on my relationship, on my relationship with myself, with myself, and my higher power, and my higher power. Wow! So I'm going to say it, boy. That's some pledge. I love it. You know, I developed it for my grandson Ryan. And he's thirty one years old now, he's about seven years old when I when I wrote this for him. So here we go, the women's spaces pledge. My self esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Wow. I'm thinking about changing my higher power to the creator, you know, the one who creates the birds and the bees and the flowers and humans and whatever. I mean, we're watching our garden bloom and it's just, it's it's like a miracle. You know, we watch the butterflies. Where do they come from? We watch all the little insects. Where are they going? What are they doing? You know, we get pissed off because, oh, my goodness, those darn slugs, are eating our plants again. You know, the, oh, all the different things that go into the garden. It helps you to see how beautiful, how beautiful the world is. And, you know, after having all those days with red skies and a red sun, it is such a beautiful experience to see the blue sky, to see our sun. You know, the sun was covered. You know, there was no, I mean, it was covered. I mean, imagine the sun covered, not being able to, you know, not being able to encourage our plants or our grasses or, or keep us warm or all the good things that the sun creates and the energy that it's going to start providing us. My heart goes out to all the people that lost their homes and and are going through the frustration of where do I stay, where do I live. But remember, no matter what's happening to you, your self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of you. That means don't let anybody judge you. You judge you as the beautiful spirit that you are. Your self-esteem depends on your relationship with yourself and however you see your higher power, you know, whatever belief system you have. You know, I believe in a higher power. I believe in the creator. You know, I believe in the Native Americans. I believe in what Black Elk says, Wonka Tonk. I mean, who who knows what it is? There's something out there that's greater and better than all of us, that's created us and created the world that we live in. And with all of the stuff that's going on, hopefully it's a reminder of after all is said, what a beautiful, beautiful world we live in. One of the things that made the world really beautiful for me was in 1971 when Helen Reddy came out with the song, I am woman, hear me roar. Boy, I'll never forget that. I mean, we were singing that. Us women were singing that together. We were so excited. In numbers too big to ignore. All of a sudden realizing that we were more than 50% of the population, that we had power, that the creator had instilled in us the secret of life, the mystery of life. We bring forward life, all those little beautiful babies that we go gaga over, man. Where do they come from? They don't come from a tree stump. They come from women. Well, the sad news is, but she left a legacy, is Helen Reddy passed away On September 29, 2020, she was the age, uh, she was at the age of 78. She was two years younger than me. You know, it's really interesting when you hear someone passes away that's two years younger than you, you really recognize what a gift each day is, man. What a gift each day woman is. What a gift it is to be alive today and to be on the radio. And a special shout out to Helen Maxine Reddy, who was born October 25th, 1941, for writing this wonderful song. So I'm going to give you a little history, and then we're going to play the song. And let's all sing it together. You know, all you women out there, you know, just email me, elaine at womenspaces.com, and tell me. What did that feeling, what was that feeling that was provoked in you when you heard that song? Especially we got the Women's March, we got Black Lives Matter, we have young women that are becoming involved politically, young women of color running for office and winning. I mean, the world is changing. But when that song came out... Then that song came out. All of a sudden, you realize, "I am woman. Hear me roar with numbers too big to ignore." Well, it appeared on Redding's first album, and it became a number one hit. And the women's movement—listen to this—the women's movement official anthem. Reddy said that she co-wrote the song with Ray Barton to portray a to portray a positive self-image for women and young girls. Exactly what I'm trying to do with the pledge to create a positive self image for young women and girls, for all women, for all people. Because when you feel good about yourself, you feel good about others. And when you feel good about others, the world starts moving forward in a positive way. Helen Reddy, by the way, was an Australian-born singer whose 1972 hit song, I Am Woman, became the feminist anthem of the decade and propelled her to international pop music stardom. She died on Tuesday in Los Angeles. She was 78. So thank you so much. Helen Reddy for writing this wonderful song and for reminding us who we are. So we're going to play it. We're going to play the whole song. And when I return, which is perfect, because, you know, I just I never heard of Selena Solomon. Boy, I'm really excited about hearing the little piece that Jessica is going to read. But here we're going to listen to uh, I Am Women, sung by Helen Reddy. And we come back. We'll be talking to Jessica Litvack, and we'll be talking about a suffrage that helped California Women, get their right to vote. Selena, Solomon. Here we go. I am woman. Strongest. Goodness, Helen Maxine Redding, born October 25, 1941, and made her transition on September 29, 2020, at the age of 20. Excuse me, at the age of 78. Thank you so much. Helen Reddy for bringing us that song and reminding us. And when I heard the line, wisdom born of pain, <laughs> I was thinking of my beautiful great granddaughter Satori being born and listening and watching my granddaughter Amber give birth. Boy, the pain. When she gave that last push, the scream I heard was beyond anything I've ever experienced. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful, beautiful gift of life. So I am woman. Hear me roar with numbers too big to ignore there's a lot of wisdom in this poem in this song and it's just it applies today as it did way back then in 1971 when we first heard it and we were singing in choruses and oh my god that song we were singing all over the place it was so wonderful well, for you just joining us, you are listening to KBBF 89.1 FM, Calistoga, Santa Rosa. I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily opinions of KBBF, its board of directors, its members, or Women's Spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt, and I want to introduce my guest joining me on the phone all the way from New York, Jessica Litwock. Welcome, Jessica. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you. It's great to be here and wonderful to hear that song. I know. I mean, it's just as powerful today as it was the first time I heard it on the radio. I'll never forget it. Listen, Jessica... before we start, I want to tell my listeners a little bit about you, and you just have a fascinating, fascinating background here, and I really welcome you to the, to the, uh, heirs here in Sonoma County. Well, Jessica Litwalk, RDT, which means she's a registered, uh, drama therapist, which is very, very interesting. And she is a playwright, an actor, a registered uh, drama therapist, an educator, a coach, a puppet builder, and an international leader in the field of socially engaged theater. Amazing. She is the Artistic Director of the HEAT Collective, the founder of Artists Rise Up New York and the New Generation Theater Ensemble, a core member of Theater Without Borders and a Fulbright Scholar. Wow, I don't, I can just stop there, Jessica, for heaven's yeah. sake. That's just amazing, all these things. I'm so proud to have you on the, on the air here. She has taught theater at universities around the world. Her work has been published by TG, TCG Apples, oh no. Apple Lost Books, Smith & Krause, No Passport Press, Amazon, and the New York Times. Her plays have been produced in Europe, South America, the Middle East, India, and the UK, and throughout the USA. And she is currently working on an international production of the FEAR project based on Uh, What was verbatim interviews? Who who did you interview for these particular uh, areas here? Well, uh, we uh,
3: this project uh, it's a whole whole subject, (laughs) but this project is uh, one of my favorites. This is the sixth time it's been done, and each time it's done, it's done uh, it started from scratch with the cast goes the company goes and interviews as many different people as they can as diverse as we can in terms of age ethnicity uh, background and then we um, we ask the same 13 questions this time we added a 14th and then I collect all of the interviews and with the exact words of the interviews I create a choral poem for my actors we read it We find the story that's inside it. I write the play. And then the, the final, the final result is a combination of the verbatim, the actual interviews and the story, which is usually of a family. Uh, and, uh, I've done it in India. I've done it in New York. I've done it in Los Angeles. I've done it in Milwaukee and I've done it in the Czech Republic. And this time during COVID, I did it with actors who've been in in all of those different projects already and we did it all uh, via Zoom,
2: amazing. As, as well as the interviews. So, amazing, I, Jessica. Yeah, Absolutely it's amazing. It's and what brings you to the airs here in Sonoma County is that you are going to be presenting. I just love this title. And it's so interesting, the story of Selena Solomon. I never heard of her, you know, and never heard yeah. of her at all. And when all of a sudden I got your questions and your bio, I looked her up. Fascinating woman. So I'm really looking forward. You're going to read a little piece from your play. And you're going yeah. to be you're going to be presenting that uh, for the uh, Petaluma Suffrage Group and we'll get into that a little bit a little bit sure. more as we go. So you know Jessica one of the things though the whole thing around women's spaces is, is to inspire other women to get you know like Helen Reddy saying we are women we are you know we are with numbers too big to ignore. And it's so important that each one of us become involved. And you're doing some major work. I mean, I, I write a script every week for the show. I mean, you're talking about all the things. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I could just see the scripts and all the different the different steps that have to be taken. So, Jessica, talk about what inspired you to be involved in writing. And I also noticed that you have, like, a theater group without borders, if you could talk a little bit about that. But talk about your what motivated you to get involved in writing and the theater theater and as a woman what were some of your major challenges either in the past or what you're facing even today um oh boy what a great
3: uh set of questions well i've been making theater since i was a high school student in san francisco i wasn't a very good high school student i was neither was uh, i I was I, I was one of those kids that you know, having raised two daughters and um, gone through their teenage years, I would have kept them away from me. I wasn't uh, I wasn't guided or or purposeful in my in my life choices, and my life was saved, literally saved by a woman who was running a theater group for kind of at-risk youth, and I started realizing that I could make people laugh and make them feel things and that theater was, was something I could actually do and do well. And then in it, in the theater, I met a group of other, you know, misfits and misguided <laughs> people who had nowhere else to go, and I ended up having nearly dropped out of high school and... Um, And flunked uh, to having a PhD uh, and just because of the theater because I found a way to express myself and um, of course as a woman when I first became an actress and I was never your you know your typical tall blonde uh, skinny girl so I was as a woman I was actually advised uh, uh, by a producer casting director to, um, drink a lot and smoke a lot, so I would age more quickly. Because, to quote him, uh, I was not pretty enough to be young. So
2: oh, I, oh, you're not, and, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's read. You, you were not pretty enough to. Oh, God. Go ahead. <laughs> Age more
3: quickly and there'll be roles for you. So what I did, instead of taking his advice, is I began to write and I wrote roles for myself, starting with a series of plays about Emma Goldman, who is an anarchist revolutionary and and who um, uh, my aunt uh, actually met when she was a child. And so I, I had some connection to her story and I started to write about her and then I wrote about five one-woman plays, and then I went to Columbia University uh, to study writing, to study playwriting, since I had already had a degree from NYU in, in acting, and I had studied acting quite a bit in various places. I felt I should learn how to how to write. Of course, you don't learn how to write. The only way to learn how to write is to write, Um and so I wrote, I started to write, but I could never give up acting, so I just wrote and performed in my own plays, and then at a certain point I got very tired of the commercialism and narcissism that's inherent in much of the uh, professional theater world, and I started doing Theater Without Borders, which is a, a group that a woman named Roberta Levitow founded, and we really work uh, across borders internationally internationally. Um, and through that, I then got got my credentials as a drama therapist, and now and then I got my PhD in leadership and change through theater. So my whole focus now is to do theater, what's called applied theater, which is theater for personal and social change that um, that works with artistic excellence, hopefully to um, to resolve people's uh, you know both their personal and their community issues, I travel well, before COVID I traveled quite
2: a bit Jessica, I asked you what were some of your challenges. What I'm seeing is your life itself was a challenge. I mean, congratulations. Yeah. I mean, that that's the whole idea. You know, when, when I did the pledge is my self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. Someone outside of you told you the only way that you could be at because you weren't pretty enough that you had to do certain things. And instead of that, you turned it into a very, very positive thing by writing for yourself, by doing different things that made you feel better and Presented a gift, lots of gifts to the world. Well, you know, it's really interesting. We, when I got your when I, I, I believe it was Trish Alman uh, from Petaluma. She's the president of the uh, of the Commission on the Status of Women. She was the one who first introduced me to you. And the yeah. thing that the thing that was so interesting, wh- why she found it interesting and why she brought it to my attention, was the fact that you did, you did this play about Selena Solomon, and I believe it's fifty. What how did, it's called fifty thousand and mice <laughs> the, yeah. the story of Selina um, Solomon how, how did you and it's going to be presented at the uh, Petaluma Museum and we'll, we'll give the information at the end of the interview of how people can see it and hear it but what, 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 what was the inspiration around Selena Solomon and how did you find her? Well someone actually uh
3: Found me uh, a, a woman who is involved with um, with the suffrage in in Petaluma. And the play will actually be be streamed at the Petaluma Museum as a result of of her involvement, and it'll also be done in a solo festival at the Marsh on October tenth. So uh, I want to remember to to um, cite both of those opportunities. To see the play, uh, and she uh, she asked a local theater I was then directing at a, a Cinnabar, and asked if they knew actually an, a, a, a playwright performer who could write a solo piece. And I happened to be Jewish, and this and Selena Solomon's was a Sephardic Jew, so I read her documents and then uh, went to the library at UC Berkeley and did all this research and. And I had never heard of her either, and I found her fascinating. And and so I wrote uh, this piece, which is a solo piece, but it, it has eleven characters—not just Selena, but many others. And um, yeah, and I'm very grateful that I found out about her because so many wonderful women of history are not taught in in our history books and history classes. So I was very excited. And having written about a lot of women of history in, in my plays, I've written close to 40 plays and I've used women of history quite a bit. So I kind of found my way in and then used poetic license to create a story that... Um, may or
2: may not be true <laughs> you know to get a little to get a little clarification before we're going to to my listeners we're going to do a little piece we're going to do about a five to seven minute reading here and uh, so we can get a little bit of an idea of what the play is all about but can you explain what does it mean by being a Sephardic Jew from my understanding it's a, it, they're from Spain uh, What did you find any other uh, deeper information about that?
3: well yes I, that is something I've known about quite a bit I've written about um, I've written about The interaction between the Sephardic Jewish community and the Islamic world in ancient Cordoba, where there was a a wonderful, wonderful period of time when Jews and Muslims were... we're living in 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 a kind of peaceful coexistence but um the my family is are my family's ashkenazi which means we come from russia and poland and eastern europe and sephardic Jews tend to come from portugal spain or even some of the Arabic countries there was a huge um jewish population in iraq for instance um so, and I've actually been to Iraq and, and been able to look at the remnants of what was once the Jewish quarter. So it's a very different, um, same you know, same religion, different traditions, different foods, um, and uh, historically quite an interesting uh, relationship between the Ashkenazi and the Sephardic Jews. And in, in, interestingly enough, in San Francisco, there was quite a strong Sephardic community, and many of them came. Uh, to the bay area for the gold rush
2: amazing so, amazing story yeah. well let me explain to my listeners a little bit what we're going to do now and if you don't mind um if you don't mind jessica there's a the first paragraph the setting i'll read the setting so you can get into the play is that okay with you Oh, sure, if you yeah. want yeah. to. Yeah, let drink, me just, yeah. this way, you know, kind of gives you a chance to take a little bit of break. But let me explain to my listeners what we're going to do. We're going to listen to a part of the performance that you will be able to see on the Petaluma Museum uh, Library's website. Um, we'll explain all that at the end at the end of the show, and everything will be on www.womenspaces.com. Um we're gonna read about five to seven minutes. It's gonna be a part a portion of the play. And then we're gonna take a musical break. And the song that I'm gonna play, I wanna explain this. This is a very, very uh deep little uh presentation we're gonna do. This woman went through quite a bit to do what she had to do to help California get the women get the vote. But we're gonna play also the prayer of Saint Francis, just to remind folks, you know, like here here's a woman that stuck out her neck, you know, to do what she did. And you heard Jessica's story before that, you know, how she overcame some of her challenges. And it's very important that we ask ourselves to be a certain way so we can move forward. So I just want to explain that. So go ahead, Jessica. Go ahead.
3: Okay, I'm getting, I am just want to say a couple of things. I want to tell the, this little portion is just going to be the first, you know, five minutes of the play. But I wanted to say that if you read the description, this would be the description of the live theater piece. You won't see any of this. Um, what you'll see in the Zoom version of the play, either at the Marsh, which is going to be a shortened version, or at the, on the museum website, will be me, um, you know, reading the full play and acting it out. But you won't. See any of what could happen in real life. And when the theater comes back, and I believe and hope that it will, this description that you're going to read will be a, a sort of, if you have the, the one that, that um, that's at the beginning of the play, would be in a, only in a live theater setting. And then I also wanted to tell the, your listeners the source of the title, since that will also not be in the little five-minute section that I read. Um, If that's okay. Go
2: right ahead, my love.
3: So um, 50,000 Mice, the reason for the title is that um, in my research, a group of women, including Selena Solomons, 40 women, went to the legislature, the California legislature, and they said, and they, they pleaded for suffrage and said, we are small in number, but we represent 50,000 Californian women, and the chairman sneered at them and said, you're nothing more than 50,000 mice. And so when I read that, that's where I grabbed the title from. So that's the source of the title. Boy, these, the
2: you know, you know yeah. when you think about us getting the vote by one vote we if, if we if we didn't have that one vote, you know it wasn't a unanimous decision, and then you hear a judge saying something like that, oh, shame on him so, oh, and, then, and this was nineteen eleven so
3: Californian women got the vote um about eight years before the um the rest of the United States passed the nineteenth amendment so. go
2: California, huh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so, a little bit of a- so let's do the setting here, and then you just go ahead, and then when you're sure. finished, when you're finished, just we'll take. Once I hear you finish, pause. I will come in and thank you, and then we'll go into the song. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll just say that that's it. Okay, <laughs> that's that's a good one. I like that. That's it. Oh, All it's right. such it's such an absolute joy to be talking about this to you and i really want to thank you for coming on and thank you for your your patience because i know with all the fires and everything that's going on in northern california just the fact that you're doing it it's on, on going to be in our in our repertoire is amazing so here let's go to the setting the audience enters the votes for women club luncheon in downtown san francisco election day 1911. Each audience member receives a nickel to buy a bowl of soup. Some audience members are handed pieces of paper to read at the end of the play. The audience sits at long table, family style. They are served bowls of soup by women dressed as suffragists. Hello. Everyone have soup? Oh, it's
3: so wondrous to see you all. Can you believe Election Day is finally here? October 10th, 1911, the moment we've been working for. Now, quick instructions before we move out to the polls. We have to be on our toes today. No stone unturned, no precinct unattended, no man in the city of San Francisco left behind. We have to get to every single mail by the time the polls close and make sure they are voting with us. Now, 15 years ago, the women of California fought and lost. In 1896, we made mistakes. We are not going to make those mistakes today. Last time we tried to win suffrage for California, it was just the blue blood upper class controlling the game. But the Votes for Women's Club has galvanized the working women of San Francisco, and you are powerful. I will thank you from the bottom of my heart, but not until we win this. You each have your district assignment, so eat up and we'll head out. Hey, 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 slow down, baby. Selena, baby, slow down, take a breath. (laughs) This is Beth Fisk, folks. She's from New York. She calls everybody baby. No, I don't. Just you. Anyway, some folks don't know their district assignments because they ain't never been here before. you got, by my count, plenty of newcomers. There's folks over there from Marin County who don't know what's going on. Oh, goodness. Right. Yes, sorry. For those of you who are new to us, I'm Selena Solomons, and, and this is my lunchroom. I hope no one's here for the human flower show. <laughs> They're marvelous, as are our suffrage bazaars and our fancy musical numbers. But today is St. Crispian's Day, and you ladies are my band of brothers. Yeah, that's bloody Shakespeare in it. Henry number five, the king. Right you are, Tully. Go on, say it, Selena. We few, we happy few, we band of sisters, for she today that sheds her blood with me shall be my sister. And California women now abed shall think themselves a curse they were not here and hold their girlhoods cheap while any speaks that fought with us upon St. Christian's Day. Uh, Baby, there's some gentlemen among us today. Selena, you ought to welcome them too. Oh, yes, you men among us, you advocates of suffrage, you wouldn't be here if you weren't. We need you marching to the polls today to do the right thing, so eat up. Usually, we have a choice of French artichokes with freshly made mayonnaise, Selena's Abba's spiced meat on flat bread. Five cent nutritious lunches are the draw. But as we say in the club, uh, Thule, a girl who comes to eat will stay to lead. But today we are in the battlefield. Today we have leaflets and soup. Yeah, you got your bisque, your bourse, your broth, your bouillon, prize winning feast, nickel a bowl. So you may rest here for a few moments in sisterhood. But then we must go out and take election day. So eat your soup.
2: Eat your
3: soup! Quiz the people, Selena. No time for quizzes today, Beth. Quiz the people, Pooley. Uh, quiz. When male voters go to the polls today, the only important question on the ballot is... Should women be allowed to vote? Yeah, give our guests a chance to answer, Pooley. Okay. Here's one. What five states have already approved the radical and controversial idea that women are intelligent and sensible enough to share the burden of democracy? I know. Wyoming, 1869. Utah, 1870. Idaho and Colorado, 1896. And Washington State, last year, 1910. Oh, sorry. I did it again tonight. And today, with your help, folks, our state of California will become the sixth state in the union to win the vote for women. We're so the sixth star on the flag of suffrage. That's right, Julie. Out there today, as we approach the men at the polls, we must remember our points. Safe working conditions, equal pay, rights of property, rights to our children, rights to our bodies. Yes, now, I need you out there right now in the field, Tule. If you're in District 5, you'll follow Tule. Come on, Tule, check in with the Corps of Ballot Watchers. This morning, they've already reported nearly 3,000 fraudulent ballots. I can spot cheaters from a mile away. Slow down, kid. You'll trip over your enthusiasm and land on your ass. She knows what to do out there, Beth. We've been preparing for weeks now. I worry she'll hurt someone, or herself. She's smart, Artuli. She'll be calm and collected out there, right? Calm and collected! So our dreams come true! Selena's so promised you this American dream, Tuli. But you gotta understand, getting the boat ain't gonna make you rich. I don't wanna be rich, Miss Beth. I come to San Francisco streets and Galway gutters. Hunger living inside me like a drunk uncle. Hungry till I got right here to Miss Selina's lunchroom, where soup is a nickel and comrades are free. Poverty, that's something I expect. It's shite, but believe me, it's a devil with whom I am intimate. I didn't come all this way for the American dream. Streets laid with diamonds, kind fallen from the sky, starlight over the water. I didn't come for fame. And be sure, Miss Beth, I didn't come for gold. I came for power, to have a voice that can ring out for change. I'm going to get the vote for women today. Not so we can be rich, but so we can be strong. You'll bring about a new age, Tooley. An age of women. I'm for women! Hooray, then. Off you go. And I'll just stop there.
2: That's it. Boy, that was pretty powerful there, Jessica. I mean, thinking about what the women went through, you know, and, and a five cents for a bowl of soup. <laughs> I mean, that is just amazing. And when you think about we got the vote in 1911, we were a few years ahead. Maybe that's why they think of California as such a progressive, a progressive state feel for you when you read that. I mean, how you get into all these characters—it's just amazing.
3: Well, I just got into three. There are about there are about seven or eight more. Um, there, there. It's you know, I love these women. I've come to know them and care for them and want to tell their story. Um, it, you know, it's challenging to do five minutes of a of a seventy five minute play or a sixty minute play, depending on on which version you hear. Um, but I, I I think it's important. I think one thing I want to say is that in the Marsh version, I'll just be performing, it can only be 60 minutes since it's an international uh, solo festival. So what will be cut out, which won't be cut out at the museum, are videos of an African-American actress and a Native American actress reading uh, about voting rights for both the African-American community and the Native American community who did not get the right to vote. In 1920, with the 19th Amendment, but waited much longer let to me, have let the me, right.
2: Let, let me let me let my listeners know exactly what we were just listening to. We were just listening to a piece that uh, Jessica is going to be performing uh, on October 8th via Zoom or via video from the Petaluma Museum. And it's called 50,000 Mice, the Selena Solomon Story. And it's really, it's, from just this little introduction, it sounds absolutely marvelous. Well, you know, we're coming very quickly to the end of our of our segment here. And what I would like you to do is talk a little bit about what you mean by socially engaged theater you know when i saw this it reminded me of a play that i saw one of woody allen's first plays when he was up in the on the stage and then all of a sudden there would be actors in the in the audience jumping up and arguing with them and it was part of the play and to me that was really engaged engaged theater what what do you mean by socially engaged theater
3: well, what I mean, uh, first of all, is that we, you know, to make plays about issues that are of concern to the people who are going to be seeing them. So um, I do a lot of work with a form of theater called Theater of the Oppressed, which, which this is not. But, you know, I've been working uh, for many, many years to make theater um, useful. You know, and and important to those who are listening to it because it's speaking to issues that that need to be spoken to, for that for that group. Um, And but engagement does, you know, as you you said, not like Woody Allen, but it does sometimes involve breaking what's called the fourth wall, which is the wall between the stage and the audience. In this play, it's that the audience is having soup, but also that they're. Uh, when we get to some important dates at the end, members of the audience are asked to read out those dates, just to have, it's it's sort of to have the audience feel present and included and needed in uh, very often you go to see a play and you feel like you could fall asleep and the play would go on and, and, and it wouldn't matter that you weren't there. And what I try to do is have theater that meets the audience just as much as the actors. However, I don't, any audience member to get involved. It's not like improvisation where you have to get involved. It's only if you want to. And that's another reason I have audience discussions at the end of every play, not to talk about the play, but to talk about the issues in the play.
2: And then there's another, I guess this must be in tune with that same idea, is you have what is known as the HEAT, and what does that stand for, collective? And is that another uh, another way to get socially engaged?
3: Yeah, it's just spells HEAT. Uh, it, it's it's heat the HEAT Collective, and, and the letters stand for Healing, Education, Activism, and Theater. Healing is my work as a drama therapist. Education is, you know, a deep, deep... Part of my work and my life, and almost all my plays are are educational. Activism is this thing I just spoke about. of How is the How is the play meaningful to the community? And theater is the modality that I that I speak through in my in my whole life. It's the only one I know. As I said earlier, I've been you know I've been involved in this profession for forty years. So it's. um, Yeah, so that's yes, it is all about how to engage the audience, how to connect with with society and how to face issues that need to be faced in a in
2: a sensitive and creative way. Amazing, amazing work. Well, just give us a quick sentence because we're just down to the wire. Is number one is how do you keep your your hope alive in these times, and where do you get your, all your energy? And your website, and any, and a little bit of information on Petaluma. But we got to go real quick.
3: Okay. Well, my website is just uh, the the heat the dot org. The museum. I think you can find everything from the um, the Petaluma Museum. Uh, website. Uh, I think that the show starts to air on the 8th of October. And then the Marsh has the Marsh International Solo Festival. And the show just is once uh, live streamed on October 10th on Saturday. And uh, Hope Alive is, I just look at all the people out there who are doing so much more than I am, whether it's Doctors Without Borders or the people that are on the front lines of the voting, um, the, the voting uh, push. And everyone and all the actors and creative people I work with, those of us who are um, taking steps to uh, to keep our hope alive through action and through compassion and... Um and that's you know, that's what I look to. I look outside of myself and see the need and that gives me the hope to, to keep on creating stuff.
2: Well, I haven't met you in person, but from this conversation I want you to know that I look at you and think of you as a beautiful soul who has well, a lot you. a lot to offer us and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well folks well, I'll
3: go I'll ahead and be glad to go back to Northern California. Soon.
2: Well, I look um, forward to that. I look forward to yeah. meeting you and I'll let you know I'll, uh, I'll send you the link so you'll know everything because this interview will go on the website and I am going to also let Petaluma know that we. I've already talked to them. They know that we're doing this interview today. Wonderful. Wonderful.
3: Well, thank you so much. It was inspiring to, to speak with you.
2: Well, oh, ditto to you, Jessica. Thank you again. Well, folks, that's okay. it. That's it for our show. A special thank you to Jessica Lidwalk, RDT, which means She's a registered, let's see, a registered drama therapist, PhD. She's an award winning playwright, actor, registered drama therapist, an educator, a coach, a puppet builder, and an international leader in the field of socially engaged theater. And a special shout out to her for bringing us, bringing Selena Solomon to our attention, who helped California women get the vote. Well, that's it for our show. A reminder tell your friends, Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. this evening. I'm excited I get to listen to my own program. Also I'm available for speaking engagements and if you have any announcements like a birthday an anniversary, a birth you name it. You give me a Email me at elaine at womenspaces.com. And remember, all the information, all the websites, everything you needed to know but were afraid to ask are on www.womenspaces.com. This is Elaine Behold. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time.
1: Take you home now. The woman in your life, she can. Wear-
0: The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 5th, 2020.